Welcome to the Solomon Success Show, where we explore the timeless wisdom of King Solomon and the Bible as it relates to business and investing. False prophets and get-rich-quick schemes are everywhere. Let's not be distracted by these. Instead, let's go to the source, the eternal principles that create a life of peace, power, and prosperity. Here's our host, Jason Hartman. It's my pleasure to welcome Rabbi Evan Moffick to the show. He is the author of several books, including The Happiness Prayer, Ancient Jewish Wisdom for the Best Way to Live Today. Evan, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Jason. How are you? Good, good. It's good to have you. And um, this is a bit of an impromptu interview, I have to say. We connected a few days ago, and uh, you told me you were uh, coming to look at one of the properties you're buying through our network. I didn't realize you were an author, and you are our first rabbi client, I believe. <laughs> so that's just awesome. And so you have a lot to say about the scriptures and what they can teach us about happiness, of course, and prosperity, actually, as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, what one of the things I know a lot of your clients, they're successful professionals, they perhaps made some money, gonna make a little bit more money. But we're all looking for a kind of happiness, mm -hmm. right? And anyone who's been around the block a few times know that money doesn't equal happiness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice to have, of course, yeah. you'd rather be rich than poor. But it's not the end all and be all. Right. And and by the way, I want to tell you, I'll second that motion. Um, I just think money gives you a better chance at happiness than poverty, but it does not make you happy. <laughs> in fact, in some ways, depending on how complicated your life is, money really, it's kind of a burden to like keep it because <laughs> you become a target. Yeah, you know, that's kind of how I feel. Like everyone's taking shots at me, you know, competitors and it's a chore. You know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, but it does allow you a lot of freedom and a lot of choices. Exactly. I mean, people, I'm sure when you were starting off as a realtor, I mean, we haven't talked about this before, mm -hmm. but you were probably successful pretty quickly and pretty young. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that there were older realtors who'd been in the business who probably were a little jealous. Oh, and I think jealousy totally. Yeah. Huge yeah, issues. Yeah. I mean, that's just natural. That's human emotion. Yeah, yeah, it is. No question about it. I mean, they used to have at my Remax office where I worked, they used to have meetings about me. All the old jealous realtors who didn't work very hard, they were thinking that I must be doing something to get all this business. I must be cutting my commission. That's what they thought I was doing, right? I was a commission cutter and I was just undercutting everybody to get people to list their homes with me. And of course, that wasn't true, but they had to justify it to themselves to make themselves feel better, right? Well, yeah. And you know, I mean, we're not talking politics strictly today, but it actually in a free market, people are happier. Mm -hmm. People, when you have opportunities to work hard and produce, you're actually, there are all kinds of studies about this. You're actually in a much happier place. Mm -hmm. It's when things are, you know, driven by kind of laziness and, you know, protected unions kinds of status. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and there's incentive to work hard. People are not happy. They're, they're miserable. They get jealous of everyone else. Yeah. You know, that's a funny thing, too. Well, it's not it's a tragic thing, actually. But people in environments like government jobs or in uh, socialist or communist countries, you know, I think of it like this. Racehorses, they want to run. That's what they do. And humans, they're creators. Humans are creative, you know, all of them. I mean, I'm not just talking about creative people as we dub them, but just all people are creative beings. And if you don't get to create, you're just not going to be as fulfilled. Right. I mean, yeah. this is a religious idea. I mean, God begins the world with creation, mm -hmm. creating heavens and the earth. And essentially, 
one of the Jewish interpretations when it says God created human beings in God's image. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Right. And the rabbis interpreting it say it means man is a creative being mm-hmm. that we can create. We create children. We create art. Mm-hmm. We create a civilization. Mm-hmm. We produce. Yep. I mean, there's actually this whole interesting you know, notion of in Judaism, what is human nature? Is it, is it good or is it evil? And they say, well, it's actually both. But if we didn't have the evil inclination, mm-hmm. if we didn't have aggressive instinct, we never produce. In fact, when we're creative, when we produce, we're actually happier because we're taking that energy that could be used for aggression and for war and turning it into something productive. Mm, that's interesting. So what is the happiness prayer then? I, I mean, this is a Jewish tradition. What is it? Did just pray for happiness? God, please make me happy. I mean, what, what do you mean? I actually coined the phrase the happiness prayer. Mm-hmm. It's a prayer that comes from the Talmud. So the Talmud is sort of like the second most important book in Judaism. Mm-hmm. It's kind of commentary on the Torah. Okay. And the happiness prayer is a list of actions that these Jewish sages 2,000 years ago, many of them were contemporaries of Jesus, these sages believed that these actions would lead to a happier life. Mm-hmm. Things like study, learning, kindness, acts of kindness, hospitality, you know, welcoming people into your homes, being with people in times of need. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the most important, as a rabbi, I probably conduct one funeral a week. Mm-hmm. And I see that friends, people showing up for a funeral really means something. No matter how old someone is, mm-hmm. when somebody dies, their survivors are in pain. Yeah. And just being there is such a great deed. And mm-hmm. so these kind of religious commandments, actions, that the rabbi said ultimately lead us to a happier life. Notice it's happiness, not pleasure. Mm-hmm. Pleasure and yeah. happiness are different. Uh, I'm, pleasure so is glad, I'm so glad you mentioned that because so many people in our culture and, and throughout the ages, I'm sure, confuse hedonism with happiness. Like when I become successful, when I get rich, I'll be able to have pleasure all the time. That life sucks you become a, a disaster or anybody who has too much hedonism. You've talked about buying a boat, buying mm-hmm. a Tesla. Yeah. They seemed great at the time, yeah. but ultimately they don't bring that much happiness. Yeah, no. In fact, they bring a lot of extra hassles. I had two Teslas. The second one was an absolute lemon. And uh, the boat, well, just a boat by the name of boat. It, B-O-A-T means bring on another thousand. <laughs> you know, you're throwing money in the water all the time. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, so so in the, in the book, you talk about the structure, right? And I think you just alluded to some of these things, but I want to just go over all of them, right? The prayer begins with a statement of purpose, a financial metaphor. Our actions represent investment of our time. The interest on this investment is our happiness. That's so interesting. Don't comment yet, but it's like the happiness is just the interest. Um, It's not the investment itself. It's the interest on the investment. That's really interesting. Like financial interest, it compounds. In other words, the longer we follow these lessons, the more our happiness grows. And then you talk about how to find happiness in this world and peace in the world to come. Learning these wisdom practices, honor those who gave you life, be kind, Mm -hmm. keep learning, invite others into your life, be there when others need you, celebrate good times, support yourself and others during times of loss. You certainly just talked about that. Pray with intention, forgive, look inside and commit. Yeah. That sounds like great advice. What do you want to elaborate on there? 
Let's elaborate on the first point about the financial metaphor. It's really true. I, I, when you were just reading it again, I was thinking about real estate in some ways. Who likes all the whole process of qualifying for a mortgage? I mean, who? I can't stand. Oh it come on! It's me. so much fun. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I actually think that probably turns off a lot of people. Oh, it does. Yeah. But once you do it, then look at the benefits. You get these low interest rates for thirty years. Yeah, and it gets easier every time. You know. Yeah, because you just know how to do it. And I think that that is true in life, in our deeds. You know, in any job. You have to put in a lot of work, especially initially. I mean, you always have to work hard, but mm. you, you put in that work and then over time you see the fruits of your investment, of your labor. I mean, parenting is like that too. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the early years are really tough. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been studies of happiness of parents. Their happiness declines for about 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound, you're not convincing me to be a dad with that kind of speech, but okay. <laughs> but it, 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 well, it's, it's really tough. Uh-huh. And then you're happier in the long run. Mm-hmm. There are actually conflicting studies about this that, that some people are more miserable. But there is something about that pleasure is sort of short term, mm-hmm. getting a massage, having a great meal. And right. that's we need that. Yeah. But happiness is looking back at your life and saying, I'm proud of what I did. I'm mm-hmm. satisfied with how I lived. Yeah. I would like to go back to the creative metaphor. You know, yeah. I think happiness is about what you create. You know, I remember years ago reading a Christian book by Stu Weber. It was, it was a men's book and, uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was just, it was so poetic and brilliant. It really influenced me. And I remember it this day and he talks about like a man's purpose in life is to leave a legacy, not a monument. And then Ayn Rand, interestingly, who is a devout atheist, which I think she's kind of crazy for that, but I, I love her work otherwise. She has an essay called The Monument Builders in her book, The Virtue of Selfishness, which is a great essay and talks about how all these dictators and, you know, people throughout history, you know, they build monuments to themselves, right? Kim Jong-un and Kim Jong-il and and Stalin and, and Lenin and Hitler and, you know, all the rest of them, right? They all build monuments to themselves rather than leaving this legacy of a better world, right? Obviously, those people are quite evil that I mentioned, but it's a, well, there's something it's creating faith. something that goes on. Dennis Waitley said it great. He said, Plant a shade tree under which you know you'll never sit. Yes. Well, there's a Jewish story. I've used it in sermons. And it's a story about a guy who is planting a tree. But he's an old man. He's 70 years old, according. Mm-hmm. This, this yeah. is a Talmudic story. So right. it's commentary. Why, why bother? You're 70. You're not going to be here to enjoy it, right? Exactly. Yeah. The kid says that to him. Mm-hmm. And the old man says, well, when I came into the world, my ancestors had planted trees for me, mm-hmm. so I'm leaving these trees for my descendants. Yeah. And it's true. And, you know, I ask myself, you've talked about the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. There's some great tips in that. But the truth is, I know so many people who could have afforded to retire 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and they still work hard. They still Because there's something wonderful and meaningful about being creative, about yeah. adding value. Absolutely. It's not about the money. It's not about the power. I mean, yeah. so... Okay, so there's some status issues. Yeah. You know, everyone likes to make some extra yeah. money for travel and things like that, but that's not the motivating force yeah. by it, any means. It's not the thing that's really going to motivate you long term. You know, you might want to make some money. Certainly, we've all got egos. There's a little bit of ego gratification. There's a little bit of like, oh, I love that I'm winning the race, right? But long term, that stuff is hollow. I think that tends to influence us more when we're young, especially young males. You know, when you're like in your early 20s, all you want to do 
is conquer the world, right? But when you get a little older and more mature, that changes and hopefully hopefully we figure it out <laughs> you know right some people don't yeah. some people don't we all know people who are in their 50s and 60s who name drop all the time mm-hmm. you know yeah. i know this person i know that person and you kind of feel sorry for them because yeah. they're just they, they identify themselves and i think that that having a faith tradition whether it's judaism or christianity you actually see yourself in a larger context. Mm-hmm. You've talked about context versus content. This is the broader context of our lives. Mm-hmm. Are we here simply for ourselves or are we part of a chain of tradition? Mm-hmm. Are we connected to the people who came before us and the people who, who will come after us? And then when we see our lives in that broader context, we make different choices. Mm-hmm. That's where it, Ayn Rand is so interesting and important, but she was a militant atheist. She, she, oh, I mean, she was militant, yes. <laughs> even though she was born Jewish, actually. She was I born know. in the former well, Union. Yeah. Very interesting person. Yeah, very. She she was definitely an interesting character, no question. I love a lot of her work is just awesome. Okay, so more on the happiness prayer. What else do you want people to know? Maybe an action step too. You know, what do we do? Is this just a conceptual framework, or it's Tell all us. action? Yeah, it's okay. all action. I mean, that's one of the reasons in Judaism, deed is more important than creed. What you do is more important than what you believe, and these are all actions. Like, for example, kindness. That that's been my focus. You know, kindness. There's this scientist at the University of Pennsylvania, Martin Seligman. He basically invented the field of positive psychology. Mm -hmm. And he said, when you're feeling down, the best thing to do is to do something kind for another person. Mm -hmm. He said, not only does it make you happier in the short term, but also in the long term. Mm -hmm. That you've done something. And that may sound Mm cliche-ish, but it's true. And so kindness, and you know, in real estate, this is another thing that your reputation is everything, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when we buy real estate, that that's already been rehabbed or so forth. We oftentimes, you know, you don't do these cutthroat negotiations. There is a sense of kindness, like there's doing business together, there's trust mm-hmm. and doing something for another person builds deeper ties that ultimately make us happier and more successful in the mm-hmm. long run. Kindness is one of those things. I've often asked myself, why aren't we more kind to other people? Mm-hmm. And I think it is sort of we live in this competitive society. So when you're a high-powered attorney and you're going up against somebody, you don't want to be perceived as weak. Mm-hmm. So you're not as kind as we could be. Kindness also makes us vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I remember when my daughter, she started a new school, and she went up to a kid on the playground the first day during lunch and said, hi, you know, I'd like to be your friend. And the kid turned away and said no. And now I think to myself, my daughter will never go up to another kid again and say, oh. even though nine times out of ten – that's a good way to open a conversation, but makes us vulnerable, so we avoid it. Nobody wants to experience rejection. So I think if we can take concrete steps to just, you know, it sounds cliche-ish, but it's true. Do something kind for another person. Visit somebody who's been ill. Call somebody experienced a loss. It doesn't take much time and it's really meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it is. And, you know, I'll tell you, you are so right. Whenever you are feeling, I don't think it's even possible to feel down or depressed when you're doing something for other people. You know, I remember years ago, I was having a tough time. I was feeling uh, pretty depressed about some things. And uh, I was a junior achievement instructor. And I had volunteered in their program for like three and a half years or so. And they had a special program where they said, you can go and teach junior achievement inside juvenile hall. So Mm -hmm. I went to juvenile hall to jail 
okay, to teach junior achievement for the kids in there. That was just an awesome experience. I mean, I, I did it in the normal classroom too. You know, that was fine, but uh, it was really, I think, much more impactful teaching it in juvenile hall. So, you know, you would go in like, I think I went in maybe like once a week for a few weeks or something and taught the classes to the kids in juvenile hall. And it was awesome. That was really fulfilling. I hope, although I don't know, but I hope I really changed some lives and got some of those kids on the right track. I mean, it's amazing. You never know. I mean, yeah. that's that idea that, you know, one, one action leads to another, pay it forward. Mm -hmm. It's really true. I think that kindness is so essential. The other thing that I find very powerful is this idea of lifelong learning. The, the exact Hebrew in the happiness prayer is visit the house of study morning and evening. Hmm. I think that is something people who read, who travel, mm -hmm. who experience more of life are happier. Mm -hmm. I read somewhere that our brains stop growing at age 25. Yeah. We can build new connections uh -huh. on different parts of our brain. Mm -hmm. And so reading, traveling experience that builds new connections it builds empathy we can understand other people's situations mm -hmm. uh, better by traveling and so that actually makes us happier because we have a, a range of, of human emotions and we're also more educated and more successful i mean mm -hmm. one of the principles of judaism and i think of the bible i mean we, we all can read the bible in certain ways but i do think the bible is a, is a very sort of pro wealth teaching because it teaches us that when we produce and we create we serve others, we're actually building wealth and building human connection. Mm -hmm. I mean, wealth, connection go together. I mean, in Israel today, Israel's the seventh happiest country in all the world. Mm -hmm. And it has second most companies on the NASDAQ mm -hmm. exchange outside of the United States and China. It's behind the United States and China. And, and when I was in Israel, I got to tell you, that is such an amazing place because it's got enemies on every side. <laughs> and if that can be considered one of the happiest countries and look at the success of that little tiny country, that's pretty amazing. I mean, can't we have that happiness? We don't have that kind of adversity, but maybe the adversity is what creates the happiness, right? Without question. Nobody wants adversity, mm -hmm. but sort of forces, it clarifies your choices. Mm -hmm. Human beings are in some ways defined by how you respond in yeah. moments of crisis. It, it, all, it shows us what we're made of. You know, one of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who said it, but people are like tea bags. You can never tell how strong they are until you put them in some hot water. <laughs> Isn't that a That's great good. quote? Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want that situation, but you know what I found? Life, it always happens. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't avoid it. Anybody who goes through life, yeah. you're going to experience downs. You're going to experience a loss. You're going to experience and, times can't yep. succeed. And the more you try to do, the bigger the risk you take, the more failure you're going to have. You know, if you just work in a toll booth, okay, and don't try to do anything in life and don't make any waves, yeah, you'll have a peaceful life, but you also won't get to create much. So uh, right. those people I mean, who I, are, I, uh, you know, in the arena, as the saying goes, right? Yes. And it has to have a balance. I mean, one thing I, I hope to talk about in future Solomon success shows is this idea of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I think the Sabbath is something that, you know, is, begins in Judaism, mm -hmm. but can help people of all faiths so deeply. You know, six days of the week we're producing, we're constantly creating and doing something. Right. But right. on one day we can just sit and appreciate mm -hmm. and see, and there's a kind of balance. I have found that I can get more done in six days than I could in seven. Mm -hmm. That that rest, that stepping back, that mm -hmm. perspective 
remind us of what the work is all about. And do you not use electricity or technology during that time? Do you really celebrate it? Or I, I, I mean, I'm are you lighting as, candles and everything? Well, we light candles. Yeah. yeah, we light candles. We have a meal together. Uh -huh. I'm not as good with the electronics. I mean, I'm as addi addicted to my phone as, <laughs> as anyone every, else. As we all are. Yeah, good. <laughs> Glad yeah, you admitted. I mean, yeah. should do better. Sometimes I'll test myself and make sure that I can, like yeah. I have gone days without it. But I justify it to myself by saying, well, there might be an emergency in my congregation and they'll have to reach me. So I can't really turn off my phone. Right, right. But I definitely try to take a different perspective. I, one thing, I try not to spend money. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Yeah. That, you know, we're always spending. One, always one day without commerce, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's something beautiful about that. Mm -hmm. And it actually makes you appreciate even more mm -hmm. a world of commerce, a world yeah. of trade. You know, right. you, you, you take a break. Uh, it's, it's Beautiful. Celebrating the Sabbath, uh, although I don't do it, <laughs> kind of reminds me of Thoreau's Walden, right? Henry David Thoreau went to Walden, and, you know, that's a classic book, obviously, and the way he describes the incredible detail of nature and just his experiences where, and again, I'm terrible with this, I don't practice it, but I can appreciate it from afar. I need to do that at some point in my life. What do you do to sit back and refresh, Jason? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> not much. I try to take it a little easy on weekends and, you know, sort of do uh, more reading and things like that and just quiet time. But I think it's important to do that. It really is. Yeah. Our society doesn't encourage it. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there is a kind of sense. I mean, one of the reasons I wrote the happiness prayer is, Something like every one of us sees at least 3,000 commercials a day. Mm -hmm. Now, what they count as commercials, like seeing a car right. and seeing that logo on the back. The basic premise of every commercial is you need this, you buy it, you'll mm -hmm. be happier. Yeah. And so to say, actually, let's say that's really not true. Here's what truly leads to happiness. One of the reasons I wrote the book, because mm -hmm. I would prefer capitalism and consumerism to everything else. Mm -hmm. But it's not a recipe for happiness. Right. Yeah, uh, good point. Good point. There's definitely a balance. Uh, wrap it up for us, Evan, on the happiness prayer. You know, any action steps, especially that you can share with our audience and uh, give out your website too. The website is rabbi, R-A-B-B-I, Moffick, M-O-F-F-I-C.com. I think the most important action point, especially for real estate investors, is to show kindness, to build relationships. You've heard, we've all heard that real estate is a relationship business. And it really is true. I mean, I've I've formed relationships with some of the local providers that you've referred us to, formed relationships with my investment counselor, and that makes a big difference. And lifelong learning. I mean, mm -hmm. you've got five days a week of this podcast. Right. So take advantage of that and learn. Mm -hmm. I mean, e even if you're not investing with the network, you're, you're, you're learning so much just by listening. So mm -hmm. that makes us happier. Good stuff. Good stuff. Rabbi Evan Moffick, thank you so much for joining us. The book is The Happiness Prayer. You got some other great books out there and they're available in all the usual places. And uh, thanks again. Thanks, Jason. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own, and if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go Go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.